0: Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanik, lead pastor of The Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, everybody? How we feeling today? Welcome again to The Block Church. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor. I want to welcome all of our locations. Uh, we're so glad you're with us. And I just want to be clear about something. These videos are parody. And so you don't have to email us with your concerns, which we've gotten a few of <laughs> just to make you laugh over the summer, okay? Uh, I wouldn't go outside with a tent anyway. So, um, But anyway, real glad you're with us. We are Uh, Continuing our series, more life for studying the book of Acts, all summer long. And uh, obviously we uh, have a little bit of a break next week when we get back. I'll give a little update here to stay, building updates, some things uh, when we get back. I know some of you are asking about that as well, but uh, yeah, we're on week three of, of our study of Acts. And uh, first few weeks, first couple weeks have been great. Believing God's gonna speak to you today. How many of you just believe God's got something for you today? Always come to church expecting, always come to church believing God's got something for you, even if you're at your lowest place. That's when he does his best work, amen? Amen. At the end of our, our gatherings today, we're actually gonna have some uh, some opportunity if you need prayer, uh, if you're believing God for a miracle. So I want you to begin to think about that and coming to the altar and receiving prayer if you need that, that'll happen uh, at the end, all right? Amen. Okay. Well, uh, nobody really wants ordinary. Would you agree with that? Well, unless your your life is full of drama, uh, and 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 uh, you need a little bit of normal. But, but what I mean by that is is nobody goes, hey, uh, how do I look? And they want you to say, well, your outfit your outfit looks average. You know, like. Uh, you know, you bring a a girl home to to your friends uh, or your family and they say, ah, she's pretty average. (laughs) Like like nobody wants that. Would you agree with that? Um, How's your marriage? It's very ordinary, very average. Maybe below. (laughs) Like, how's your team? Middle of the pack. Just happy to be alive. You know, like, how's your church? Kind of sucks, honestly. You know, like, like, wouldn't that be awful? You know, uh, this is actually what it's like to be a Dallas Cowboy fan, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like, you pay for food at a nice restaurant, you know? And it's like, how's your food? Uh, it's decent, you know? Your, your service, terrible. Still wanna give 25%? And you know, it's like, no. Like, like, nobody really, when you think about it, nobody really wants subpar. Nobody really wants average or or, or ordinary. Like like deep in the longings of our soul, uh, we desire excellence, better than good. The the problem is, is is many of us, uh, the way that we journey in our faith is that our faith and our relationship with God is subpar. It, It is average. It is ordinary. Why is that? I think a lot of people actually settle for ordinary and average in their life because they feel like that's what they deserve. They feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've failed so much in my life or I've had such bad luck or you feel so much guilt that when you pray, uh, you feel like God's not hearing you or you feel like God is just listening to you because he has to. And so your relationship with God, your, your journey in faith is average and it's subpar because you feel like, man, I, I, I just, this is what I deserve. This is what I get. Or, or maybe this is just what God has for me It is just below average. And I wanna read a scripture to you today that would disprove that hypothesis. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we, I want you to say, me, me, I am God's masterpiece. You should say it out loud. I am God's masterpiece. There you go. I should have been better with my instructions. (laughs) You don't have to repeat anymore. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I just wanna say, if, if you ever doubted that you're important to God, if you ever doubted that your faith should be average or, or you ever thought that your faith should be average, this verse exists to disprove that because God made you a masterpiece. When we really think about how a baby is formed and we think about how your human existence is lived, and how your blood flows and your veins and your arteries and your, your, your bones and your skin. When you really think about it, you are a masterpiece. And God's got something more for you than ordinary. And so today I wanna preach a message. I wanna title it From Ordinary to Extraordinary. From ordinary to extraordinary. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, I'm the best thing you've seen today. That's the kind of faith, that's kind of, the kind of swagger you gotta have. I tell my wife that every day when we wake up, the best thing you've seen today. Also the first thing, so. We're gonna go to Acts chapter four, um, and I'm gonna take us through about 17 verses today and a bunch of other verses. Um, and, and let me give you a little context before I read. Uh, Peter and John, okay, right? So, so we, we've been going through Acts. Uh, Jesus has ascended, the Holy Spirit has come, church has started. Peter and John were headed to the temple for prayer and they, in Jesus' name, healed a lame man. The crowd is on looking in amazement because they've gotten this guy who wanted silver and gold basically. And they're like, we don't got anything, but we do give you what we got, it's Jesus. And he gets up and he walks and they're standing in this porch area where many come and go. So let's go verse one. The Bible says the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Amen. This, this story is funny to me because like everything's kind of going good. You know, it's like... You know, they have their drama, Jesus gets crucified, right? And then he ascends and then they're filled with the spirit and and, and and then the church begins. It's like, man, it's smooth. Like everything's good. The roads aren't collapsed, you know? Like everything is just normal. And then it's like, and then just five minutes later, like everything, we feel like everything's good. And then all of a sudden they're seized, they're taken. Do you ever feel that like that, by the way? By the some of you have such PTSD because of life. The second things are going good, you are expecting things to just absolutely go off the rails. I I don't think you should live that way. In your your deep uh, thinking or in, well, I should say the psychology of your brain and understanding of life is that life is full of ups and downs, good and bad. If you live your life expecting the worst, uh, then when the worst happens or when bad happens, uh, you will not have the attitude or the moxie to get through it. You have to live in a way in which you expect that whether it's good or bad, I was put here on purpose for a purpose that in the midst of bad, really good can come. This is the kind of mindset you must have. It's not that when bad things happen, you won't be shaken a little bit and you need a breather. But what happens when you have the right attitude, spirit-filled thinking and living is, you know, if something bad's coming, it might hit me, but I'm coming back stronger. And so here they are, they are seized. And I just want to take a moment and I want to expose the devil for a moment, okay? Okay. Uh, I wanna expose the devil, all right? So every location, you, you, you gotta pay attention to this. Uh, d- don't, don't, don't get sidetracked because it's in a moment like this where we wanna expose the devil, uh, that the devil starts acting up, okay? Like, like, I don't care if your kid spits up and they're in, in adult service with you right now, all right? Even though they, they could be in kids. Stay with me for a second, okay? Okay, this is what the devil does. John 10:10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, I want to expose him for a moment. The enemy's tactics are always fear, panic, and often a blindsided punch. These guys didn't expect that healing somebody and teaching about Jesus was going to get them seized and arrested by religious leaders. They were thrown into prison and it was intended to freak them out so they'd stop. Keep that in mind. That the enemy when you're doing the right things, the God things, tries to blindside you so that you will stop. He's afraid of losing ground. The enemy will always attempt to manipulate what's good. They healed somebody. Somebody was healed. Somebody who's sitting there begging, okay? Creating uh, a a, a, a not uh, preferred environment in this in this porch that everybody goes to and they clean it up. And then all of a sudden, the government's mad at them. A pastor friend of mine says it like this, whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits, okay? The enemy will try to confuse and disorient you, right? Why are priests and religious leaders throwing them in jail for proclaiming something good? The enemy will never play fair. They were jailed overnight. This is unjust because it was late. They threw him in jail. It's unjust. And I want you to know something. Satan is anti-justice. Okay, all of these things, this is, this is the strategy of the enemy and he's been doing it for generations and we fall for it. Please know your word and please understand when the enemy is attacking. Not every bad thing's the devil. Some of it's you, some of it's life, some of it's the laws of nature. But, but you have to understand that there are clear moments where the enemy is attacking you. And this is one of those moments for these men. The enemy's number one, I, I believe, uh, maybe besides pride, number one tactics is to create fear. And fear is not of God. If you are going through something right now that is frightening you, listen to me, sickness, a diagnosis, divorce, losing your children, end of a relationship, a bad business deal, something not working out, a financial struggle, a move, you name it. What fear makes people do is live an ordinary or below ordinary life when you are called to extraordinary. Fear makes people stall their extraordinary life. And I want to give you some scriptures to combat fear for a moment. So if you're going through fear, you should take a photo of these passages. Here's the first one, Isaiah 43:1. But now this is what the Lord says, "Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name; you are mine." Joshua 1:9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. First Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves then under God's mighty hands so that he will lift you up in his own good time. Leave all your worries with him because he cares for you. Isaiah forty one ten. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 34, four through five. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. John fourteen twenty seven, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled troubled, neither let them be afraid. Psalm one eighteen six, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And there's lots more of scriptures like that. If you aren't with the Lord, you got a lot to fear. But if you are a blood-bought saint, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, filled with God's love and his spirit, then you have nothing to fear because Christians don't die. They live in eternity with Jesus. And this life is short. It's but a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. There's something extraordinary waiting for you. I rebuke the spirit of fear right now. I rebuke that spirit. Let's all do that together and deny fear access right now. What are you afraid of right now at every location? If you're afraid of something, get that in your mind and tell it to go in Jesus' name. Just whisper it, it be gone in Jesus' name. Because it's fear that keeps people ordinary when they are meant to be extraordinary. The fellows respond in verse 11, they say, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Amen, that's our whole faith right there, by the way. I think it's funny because these guys are up against people who are contentious with them. And what they do is they dig their heels in, and they say, oh, you wanna throw us in jail for what we believe? Let's reiterate what we believe. (laughs) There may come a day for that in our nation. But I just wanna be clear, a little side note, if there's any confusion, here's what we believe. We believe Jesus is the only one who changes lives. We believe it's only Jesus who saves. We believe it is Jesus who is God. We believe Jesus is the only way. This is why Jesus is divisive. It's why he came to, to, to bring a sword to divide. While he gives peace and while he unifies the believer, some of us understand the reality is that Jesus steps on toes. And really it's because he loves And those who reject Jesus reject true life and have a lot to fear. But those who receive Jesus believe on him and in him and receive him and live Him, All can live an abundant life. What about my Muslim friend, my unbelieving husband, my lost coworker? Well, friends, this is why we must do all we can to invite people to church and to Jesus, despite what it does to our reputation or what consequences might ensue. Life is short, eternity is forever. Stop blending in, stop being ordinary. These gentlemen were not. In verse 13, when they saw the courage Of Peter, and this is the verse the whole sermon is based on. These two, this verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let's look at this again because this verse gives me hope. It took me like 20 years to graduate college. Okay. I only finished for my grandma, okay? Okay. When they saw the courage of Peter and John in the face of this contentious threat, and they realized that these guys were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. In other words... Hear me, church. Ordinary, uneducated, and educated people can live extraordinary lives. That's us. That's you and me. In other words, excuses are unavailable for the believer. Let me say that again. Only a few people said, hmm. If, if, if Peter and John, who are unschooled, Uh, who were very ordinary guys, just the fellas. Like if, if these guys lived extraordinary lives and people were astonished by them, that means that any excuse you have to continue living an ordinary life that's mundane, that doesn't make a difference, that wakes up just to survive, that excuse has got to go. Because ordinary people can live extraordinary lives. (laughs) You can do something for God and because of God right now. Problem is, too many of us living for ourselves, which keeps us ordinary. Obsessed with self-preservation, which keeps us below average. Oh, maybe we make more money than the average person, but that doesn't mean that we're extraordinary. It just means we got stuff. Maybe, maybe we've got more degrees than the average person and, and that's good and important and fine, but it just means we, we got more paper than somebody else. Uh, maybe maybe we have more things or more cars or maybe we've got a better job. Or, and, and listen, I'm not hating on your ability to succeed and win the game of life. It's not about those things. Having is good as long as you're doing something extraordinary with what you have. I wanna highlight somebody who's actually in town at our Port Richmond location right now. I wanna talk about Michael and Sarah for a moment, who were living in Philly and started attending the Block Church in 2018. But for about a year, they started to feel a call to go to Latin America and serve. And in August of 2021, they felt this prompting and said, yes, and they have been there ever since. Sarah, She's there serving at Abundant Life Christian School in Santa Rosa, Honduras, teaching all the courses. It's cool what they're doing there because they're they're serving as believers and helping establish, establish Christendom in their community. But what's even more extraordinary and more powerful is they started to feel that still small voice, that prompting again. And they felt like God was calling them to adopt children from Honduras. And so they are working on right now by God's grace, and we're gonna believe and pray that this succeeds, but they are going to adopt a five-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, which is an emergency situation. And they are stepping up and they're being expedited to do it. Let's go. You know what they're living? An extraordinary life. They gave up the comforts of a life here in the States And what's extraordinary about them and their life, it's not that they went to live in another country. It's not that they left the U.S. that makes them extraordinary. What makes their life extraordinary, what makes them practice the adventure of the believers and acts is this. They said, yes, the beginning And the continuation of your extraordinary adventures in Jesus is not that you do something radical like this, although it might be radical. It's that you feel and sense of prompting from the Holy Spirit. And instead of pushing it off and saying, oh, that's a little uncomfortable for me. I don't want to do that. What it is, is you saying, yes, God, you're in control. And when he's in control, the extraordinary life, is available. What is God calling you to do in your own life? What would be extraordinary for you? Is it to pray for someone to be healed? Well, you can do that. Is it to reach a lost friend? Well, you can do that. Are you called to write a book? You can do that. Is it to start a nonprofit that transforms people's lives? Well, you can do that. Is it to adopt children and foster kids? You can do that. Is it to do something significant with your money? Well, you can do that. Is it to be in a missionary? Well, you can do that. Is it to run for public office? You can do that. Is it to be a faithful spouse or parent? You can do that. Is it to be a CEO? You can do that. Is it to be the first in your family to go to college and complete it? You can do that. Is it to live past 18 and escape the drug and the violence culture in Philadelphia? You can do that. Is it to please God with your faith? You can do that. All of this, all of this you can do if God calls you and empowers you. But there is a dividing line between extraordinary and ordinary. Here's what it is. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Because ultimately living life with Jesus is the source of an extraordinary life. Nothing more, nothing less. Let me say that again. This is where you say amen. I know other locations said amen. The source of living an extraordinary, above average life is if you get with Jesus. Thankfully, there's a million ways to adventure with Jesus. We're with Jesus through prayer. We're with Jesus through his church. We're with Jesus listening to his promptings. We're with Jesus in friends and Christian community. We're with Jesus in Bible reading. We're with Jesus when we learn about him and his character. We're with Jesus in stillness, in fasting. We're with Jesus when we're doing what Jesus loves, which is serving others and reaching people for him. It's when we are with Jesus that he begins to reveal your unique purposes in the kingdom step by step. It's when you are with Jesus that ever so slowly and clearly he whispers in your ear and says, that's what I've called you to do. This is who I've called you to be. This is the steps you're meant to take. But it takes us being with Jesus to go from being ordinary people to extraordinary people. As I close this message I want to read the end of this, verse 14 through 17. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. They said, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. I'm telling you they're doing this stuff to believers now. That leads me to Acts 6, 8 through 15, right? I'm not gonna go there, but we have Stephen who's the first martyr, they arrest him, okay? He's confounding them, then they kill him. And then in Acts 8, verse 1 through 3, they begin to persecute and scatter the church. When when you consider both this story and Stephen's story and what happens to the early church, they threaten them. And I wanna say this to you, listen to me, please hear me. When someone at work or at school or in your life threatens you because of your faith, I want you to hear me. You are on the right path. When someone threatens you, you are on their right path. And I want to be be clear about something. Listen to me, listen to me. Don't be an idiot and don't be a jerk. Someone might threaten you because you're Bible-thumping. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about living a, a, a holistic life where people are astounded by you because the radiance of Christ is on you and they are afraid because they don't know what to do with you. And Jesus speaks to this in Matthew five eleven. He says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way So listen They don't know what to do with these powerful and bold believers. Nothing has changed Believers get hate because it's hard to put Christians in a box people are afraid of what they can't categorize Listen, we love people, but we don't affirm sin It's hard to put us in a box culturally. It's hard to fit us in a box politically. Some might drink, but don't get drunk. You don't cheer when your enemy loses. You turn the other cheek. What's different about you believer? You love the people who hate you. Why do you invite me to church? People canceled you because of Jesus, yet here you are still loving them. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's the whole purpose of my message. You, believer, were not made to fit in. You were made to stand out, and people won't always understand you, your reasons, but God's got your back. I want to encourage you to be bold. What does your boldness for Christ look like? Do you invite people to fill his church in a contentious environment or are you making excuses? Are you boldly going after an extraordinary life in Jesus? Are you bold or do you hide your faith? I'm closing with this. I was, uh, I took my son to Florida a couple weeks ago and, um, he had finished school and just wanted to see his grandma and grandpa. and I just wanted to sit by the pool and think and pray a little bit and um, work on my lovely bronzed hand. And at the end of the time in the pool, Maverick was playing with this family and he says to me, he says, Dad, are you gonna invite them to church? I said, son, you can invite them to church. He's like, Dad, I don't know where we are. No, good point. <laughs> but he does this to me all the time. He, he, he pray, My son will pray for people to be healed with no fear of the consequences. He just expects, if I lay hands on you, you will recover. There, there's a boldness about childlike faith. There is an expectation for children who understand the simplicity of, Of christianity be bold do what god's asked you to do and the rest is his problem if you want to live an extraordinary life you are meant to be bold full of god's spirit and leave the rest up to him the question is is do I pastor a bold church today? And if not, I speak the spirit over you right now that you would be full of boldness and the Holy Spirit to not live ordinary and mundane and waste your time, but live an extraordinary life that God has called you to. In Jesus name, if you receive this, can you say yes and amen church? Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.